From Destination Home Group of Long and Foster Real Estate, this is Spilling the Tea on the Real RE, where we give you, the listeners, the really real on all things real estate. I'm your host, Danielle Waldera, team leader of DHG. And I'm your co-host, buyer's agent specialist, James Dickerson. Listen, you've watched the TV shows, you've seen the YouTube channels, the fairy tales that people tell you about buying a house or investing in real estate, but that's not what we're here to do. Nope, we're pulling back the curtain, giving you the truth, and spilling the tea on the real RE. Good morning. Happy Monday. James, how was your weekend? How do you know it's going to be Monday when we release this podcast? Okay, it might not be. Who cares? Happy day. (laughs) How was your weekend? It was busy. It was too busy. We're getting ready for the holiday season. I'm stressed. I kind of want to vomit. How was yours? It was good. (laughs) uh, uh, Better than yours, apparently. Um, I had a lot going on, but you know, it was a good weekend. We put our tree up. Did you? Mm -hmm. Guess what I put as my tree topper? Guess. I feel like you told me that it was like a gnome. It's a gnome. Yeah. And you put the tree up the gnome's butt. Yeah. I um, We get a live tree. Uh-oh. So we actually like go cut one down. So I can't do that yet. Of course you do. You make family memories and you cut down trees and you probably hire a professional photographer to follow you around and make me look like crap. I have done that once. Of course. Just the one time. So what are we here to talk about today? We're here to talk about... Oh, it's going to be good. Renovated homes. Yeah. So like... Uh, what do you what do you mean by this, Danielle? Because this is your topic. It's do my you mean topic. Like buying a flip. Okay, so yes, in short, that's what I mean. So on a previous podcast, we had talked about how like ninety nine percent of my first time buyers always say we want a foreclosure, we want equity, we want sweat equity. We're gonna do all this work. My dad's a contractor. Blah blah blah. Right. It almost always goes like a complete 180. So they go from, we want a foreclosure to being so scared after seeing a few that they flip 180 degrees from a foreclosure to a completely renovated house. Like there's no in between. It's either total gut job or fully renovated move-in ready. However, what we're going to talk about today is kind of the truth about these renovated properties because what is an investor? The the investor is the person who is doing the, we'll call it a flip because that's the most lamest term for it. So the investor who's doing the flip, what's their MO? What's their MO, James? Make money. Booyah. It's to make money. That is it. That is the only MO. So to make money, the only way to make money is to have lower expenses The only way to have lower expenses when you are renovating a house is to get cheaper materials, cheaper labor. Cut corners. Amen, sister. So, um, I'm not, we're going to talk generalities today based off of our experience because I do not want to put a shroud over flips or tell you all that you should never buy a flip. They're all terrible. Run, run, run. There are people I have sold flips to that are were done by reputable um, investors who have been around a long time. They use the right people, and their name matters to them. Their reputation matters to them. However, how many people do you know who want to be an investor? A million. A million. So a lot of these flips are done by inexperienced 
people who want to be investors and they're dabbling in the waters and a lot of them never make it period. A lot of these investors are not long term. You know, this is not their career for the long term. They're doing this on the side. They have a full time job. Or maybe they're younger, they're trying this out of college to make some money because they saw it on TV and how easy it looked. But a lot of these investors that are in our area right now are not your seasoned investor that gives a crap about their reputation. You know, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, people think a lot that they're fully protected, you know, because they had a permit or because, you know, they were a licensed contractor. Um, but a, a lot of times that's not the case. I think that what really comes about when you're buying a fully renovated home or, or a recently renovated home is we have to think about our due diligence. What do we need to do to make sure that we're protecting ourselves or protecting your, your, yourself in that transaction, which a real estate agent should be doing to help protect you also? Um, and one of those things has to do with permits. You know, I don't think a lot of agents do it, but, you know, requesting to see the permits that are were used to renovate the property or even going to the permit office and requesting copies of those permits all are all things that are within your right to do. Um, the seller's not necessarily under any obligation to provide you with anything, but you can go to the, per the permit office and request those things. It is a lot of extra work. If you've ever dealt with anything government-related, it always is a headache. However, if someone did electrical work and they didn't pull a permit, do you want to take a risk in purchasing that electrical work not knowing if it was done correctly? Because it could be an ex a, major, a major safety hazard. Um, and they don't, these investors don't necessarily have to hire licensed contractors. They own the house when they are doing the work. So as a homeowner, they are allowed to do some of this work themselves. They are allowed to think, oh, I've replaced ceiling fans before. I'm going to put all the ceiling fans in myself. Um, oh, I've done tile work before. I can do, I can handle that. That's allowed because they're the homeowner at the time that they're doing that work. And homeowners as, as themselves are never required while they own the house. You know, when you're under contract, that's something different. But when you're just owning it, living in it, working on it, you're never required to hire a licensed contractor to do something. Do it yourself if you want to do it yourself. So some of these non-seasoned investors are doing it themselves or hiring a general contractor to oversee the work, but the general contractor is also not seasoned or has workers, you know, coming in and out fluidly, you know, on a loop, or he picks up workers on a daily basis that aren't the same people coming in every day, and they're trying to pick up where someone else left off. And when we're going to do a whole separate segment on home inspections, but your home inspector cannot knock through walls they cannot, they have their limits. So even though you're going to get a home inspection, right, and you're going to get, they're going to test the polarity in the outlets, and they're going to look up in the attic, and they're going to look at everything they can see with their eyeballs. But if you can't see it with your eyeballs, you don't know, you just don't know. You don't know if that person just literally took a spray gun and sprayed over all the mold that was on top of that cement block in the basement because they didn't feel like dealing with it. And we would never know that. So just some examples. Most things, because I know this is sounding super scary, most things that my clients have called me about post-buying a flipped house are pretty minor. 
So most of the time, for instance, one of my clients called me and said, Danielle, we moved in. This house is gorgeous, fully renovated, gorge. We move in and we go to hang up all our clothes in this gorgeous primary suite, huge walk-in closet. And none of the wire racks were held in. What are those things? Anchors. Anchors. None of them were held in with anchors. And they go to hang their clothes on them and their entire closet collapses. Like drywall and all. (laughs) Like, boom, It all comes down. So, like, that's super frustrating. You just spent all this money. You're trying to hang your clothes up. You're trying to get organized. And you just want to cry. Like, all your clothes just fell off. The drywall peeled off. You got to redo all that. It's not major. It's not, like, life-threatening. But damn, that's frustrating. Yeah, I think that, you know, we're talking a lot about the negatives here. And there there are a lot of positives to buying a fully renovated home. A lot yeah. of times they come with new major components like roofs or roofs. Roofs. Roofs, roofs, roofs or roofs? Let's do F. Roof. Roofs. Yeah. Roofs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, new roofs or um, like heating and air conditioning or water heaters or appliances, you know, a lot of the major components when you're buying a renovated home are going to be new. So that's a big benefit, right? You know, you, you know that uh, the likelihood that your washer and dryer is going to go up if it's brand new is not very high. However, the plumbing might have an issue if, if you know, they didn't do that work correctly. So your washer and dryer work great. It just won't go anywhere because the plumbing isn't hooked up correctly. Um, I think that when you're purchasing a renovated home, the due diligence just becomes even more important because a lot of times, you know, when we're looking at old homes or, you know, just regular resale property, meaning somebody's lived in it for five or six years and they're just selling it and they've done standard maintenance and they haven't done a whole lot else. A lot of the things that are could potentially be wrong with that property or that are wrong with that property are very evident, right? They're, 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 we can see them with our eyes and we know what we're getting into. However, with a renovated home, a lot of the times those potential challenges or those potential problems with that property are covered up with pretty drywall or covered up with pretty flooring or covered up with a nice coat of paint. So it makes it a lot more difficult for us to see sort of the underlying issues within a property. You know, if a roof leaks on extremely, extremely heavy downpours, the roof will leak. And it's not extremely heavily downpouring right now. And they've just painted the ceiling. We might not see that that roof's leaking. So I think that what what becomes the challenge is doing some extra due diligence to make sure that you're protected. Danielle, what's your what's your scariest home renovation story that you have? What's the scariest one? It doesn't even have to be yours. I just want to hear it. Um, it's pretty bad actually. So I had a client buy a fully renovated house in the city. Gorgeous. Um, he had some issues when he had first moved in. That was the one with the closet. Also had some issues like fitting his washer and dryer downstairs and then in other like other minor things. Do I know know who this is? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) other minor things. Also, like I think the tops of his cabinets weren't like when we viewed the house, like nobody climbed on top of the countertop to like look on top of the cabinets and like the top of the cabinets weren't properly finished off. But the major issue was, I guess, BGE, which is our Baltimore Gas and Electric Company, if you're not from around here was going around and doing some um, updates to the systems, to some of the meters and stuff like that. So I might get part of this story. This might not be 100% accurate, but this is my version of it. Um, so they, they knocked on my client's door, and they were like, hey, uh, knock, knock, we're, we're updating some things in your neighborhood, and noticed that you are pulling all of your electricity from your neighbor's house illegally. Did you know that? And my client was like, you know, of course, like, WTF, 
raise the red flag, calling me, calling the inspector, calling the county, right? Calling everybody. Like, what? This house was flipped. Also, during the buying process, there was a lot wrong with the house. Like, our inspections uncovered a lot. They fixed them all. All of them. No qualms. But the investor had cut a lot of noticeable corners. Enough that, like, the inspector was like, wow, this is... This is a lot. We got it all fixed. So, w- oh, I have a question. I have a question. I'm going to interrupt. Yeah. Did they, were they, was the power coming in post meter or pre meter? I don't know. So, like, were, were his neighbors paying his electric bill for the last, you know? I think so, yeah. Six mm-hmm. or so? So, he was, like, not, he was paying a, a gas bill, I'm assuming. Probably, he was probably yeah. getting a bill, but he was getting, like, a $0 electric bill. Actually, I think it was, uh, I think I said that opposite. It was his gas that they were stealing. It was the gas that they were stealing. So they had like tied into his neighbor's yes. gas line? Well, yes. that's really interesting. I don't even know how that would happen. I don't know. So the story is, so anyways, so so it's an issue. So BGE is like, listen, man, now that we found this, we got to shut you down. Like we need to turn off your gas, which means we're turning off your heat source. And it's October, about to be winter. My client's freaking out. Long story short, he got it all wrapped up for a pretty reasonable cost, and we're kind of, like, getting to the end of this disaster now. But we went back. I went back to the other agent and said, hey, I want I want the other agent who was involved in the sale, I want you to know that although your client fixed everything that we asked them to fix, there's still a lot of shady stuff going on. Like, do you know if they illegally tied into their neighbor's gas? Like, how would we have ever known that? Um she at, she said she fired that client a long time ago for being shady. She couldn't get a hold of him. She didn't trust his work. She just had bad bad feelings about him. So she had kind of fired that client really right after we did business together. But she still went back and asked with no response, of course. That client had bought the house already gutted. So someone had started, someone bought that city townhome, gutted it, was going to renovate it, sold it to this guy, who picked it up as a shell and completed the renovation. So who's to say really if it was the person who sold it to my client or perhaps the person prior to that who had done this shady work. My client was able to work it out luckily for not an egregious amount of money. But lesson learned. Like how 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 would we have known that his gas line was illegally tied in? You know? It it was a shit show. Either way, it, it's been kind of hammered out, but this is the stuff that just, it blows my mind. Like my mind literally blows and I feel so upset for my clients. I do feel responsible whether I am or I'm not. I feel responsible. I feel like, God, how can I prevent this from happening going forward? How can I help my people save them from this drama, save them from this heartache and this panic mode and financial, you know, things and I'm still working through that. I'm still talking to some professionals to figure out what what can I do differently to make sure that this doesn't happen again. You know, I think that's interesting. You know, we do that a lot to ourselves as real estate agents of like, what could I have possibly done differently to get a different result, right? Because we, like Danielle said, we feel very responsible for your experience. We feel very responsible for the home that you purchased. Even though we're not signing the dotted line, we're not, you know, we're not making the decision to purchase for you. You're making all those decisions on your own. We're just advising you through the process and acting on your behalf. But we do feel responsible sometimes, you know, even when, like Danielle said, there's nothing she could have done in that situation. She got the inspections done. The inspector did his job. You know, he's not a, 
he's not a BG&E employee. He's not a city inspector that, you know, inspects gas lines regularly. Like he knows what the gas system should look like. And if it looks like that, then, you know, it, it passes inspection. But we have, we, she would have no idea of how that line was tied into the house, you know, externally to, you know, supply gas to the home through someone else's, you know, gas meter. Who, who would have known that? And had it been bad enough, like had it been bad enough to the point where this could have been like $20,000, you know, city involvement, no heat for the whole, had this been bad enough, my client would have and could have gone back and filed suit. But that's really difficult too and really cumbersome, time consuming, financially consuming, cumbersome. And what kind of proof would we have to say we know for 100% fact that the seller did this? It could have been the guy before him. It could have been the owner before that. Like... How long has this been happening? Who did it to begin with? Who knows? Who knows? And a lot of people have the gut reaction to sue, right? Like, oh, my gosh, I broke into this drywall downstairs because I was taking a while out and I found mold. I found mold and I'm going to sue them. But how do you know they knew it was there? How do you know? How do you know that they maliciously covered up whatever it is that you found purposefully? It's very difficult to prove that to prove malicious intent you know uh, i didn't buy a renovated home but my second home purchase ever was owned by someone who referred to themselves as a contractor you know they were a licensed contractor and over time they had made improvements to their house and when those are the worst of the licensed contractors are the worst ones uh, when i bought it we had some things come up on inspection we asked for them to be repaired by a licensed contractor not knowing at the time that the homeowner was, in fact, a licensed contractor. So all the work was done by the homeowner's company. Oh, God. And um, I, when I bought that house, I had to replace the whole roof four months after moving in. I had to, you know, and when I replaced the roof, it, it was made me, it, I was made aware that there were two layers of shingles on the roof. Oh, I hate that. So it cost me an, out, an outrageous amount of money four months into homeownership to replace the roof. And... Every time I did anything in the house, like I wanted to replace a ceiling fan, I had to run a new electrical to that ceiling fan because it was just done so poorly that it had to be redone. You know, every single thing I came across had to be redone in order for me to do what I wanted to do. Okay, I'm stealing part of your segment, What Really Grinds My Gears. You know what really grinds my gears? When people shingle over shingles. Why? Why would you ever shingle over shingles? You can't see what type of of condition that paper is in. I'm I'm not a roofer. I'm speaking lamest terms here. That roof paper is in. You can't see what kind of condition the wood is in, the plywood. It's not wrong to shingle over shingles, okay? Right? It's not wrong. You can do it. You can put on a quote-unquote new roof by shingling over shingles but my god stop doing it take off the shingles evaluate the roof evaluate the wood evaluate the paper replace everything so that you know you're good for another 30 years or else really you're just putting lipstick on a pig lipstick on the pig is what happened i think that you know it is more cost effective to just put another layer of shingles Mm -hmm. on the roof Um, and depending on the size of your roof and your individual financial situation you know you got to make a decision um, you know, if you if you live in a smaller house with a smaller roof, then you know it would cost just as much to reshingle it, or not that much more to you know put, replace the roof. But in my case, my house was, you know, 
2,500 square feet. It was a huge roof. Did she put a third layer of shingles? No, you can't do that. You're only allowed to do two. I had to have all the shingles, both layers of shingles removed. I had to have, I had plank, not plywood. Oh, okay. Which is more expensive. Hmm, Of course Um, it is. Yes. So I I had plank, um, what do they call it? Sub? Like subfloor? No, whatever the. No, I don't know. Whatever the wood underneath of the shingles is called. I had planks, which was more money. Um, And then I had to reshingle the roof. And it was something like $12,000. That wood, yes. It's all that wood. Because there was a lot of rotten wood in there. So anyway, point being, renovations are scary. Uh, You know, when you're a homeowner and you're walking into a house and you're thinking about all the renovations that might need to be done, it is intimidating. Uh, and a lot of folks just don't want to deal with it. So they think, oh, I'll buy a fully renovated home and I won't have to do any of those renovations. But the reality is, is that home maintenance is home maintenance and eventually something is going to need to be replaced, one. But two, at least if you're doing the renovations or you're having a contractor do the renovations, you can properly vet the person that's providing you with that service. You can monitor the work that's being completed. You can make sure that it was done correctly and that it is up to your personal standard as opposed to buying a fully renovated home where somebody was just doing the work to get it done as quickly and as inexpensively as they possibly could so that they could flip the house as soon as they possibly could to make the most money. Yeah, and like James said, you know, we're I, I'm par- in particular making this sound super scary because I have had that one client is what stands out, is who stands out, but I have had handfuls of clients that have bought renovated homes, and I don't want to go as far as to say they're unhappy, but... They've definitely had their gripes about the quality of work after they moved in. And most of it is little things, you know, like your closet falling apart or a cabinet falling off the wall, which is annoying, but in retrospect is a little thing. You know, you can pop the cabinet back up with proper anchors. We just want you to know that if you make that decision for yourself, because in your thought process, you're like, I don't want to do any more work, right? I don't want to do the work. I want to move in. I want it to be turnkey. Just make sure you are really doing your due diligence, who you work with matters in all aspects, your realtor, your inspector, your title company in those, really making sure your titles are clear with uh, no mechanics liens or anything crazy from from the previous uh, investor. Just making sure you really dot all your I's and cross all your T's so that you are as sure as you can be, which is never 100%, that what you're buying is quality and what you're buying is something done by someone reputable, someone licensed, you feel good about it, and they perhaps have already a good reputation in the community. There are a lot of investors that do care and that hold their name to a high standard and they want people to see, oh, this house was flipped by Danielle Waldair. I don't flip him, but this house was flipped by Danielle Waldair. I know, I know her work and it's clean. Her work is clean and they care. So your realtor should have those references for you. Your realtor should know, oh man, I've never heard of this guy's name before. That doesn't mean he's bad. That just means we need to really do our due diligence or, hey, I've heard of this guy before. I've sold a bunch of houses that he's flipped before. We've had really, my clients have had really good experiences with, with this guy, you know? That's very true. And I think that it's also important that, you know, you can ask, you know, can you give me some other properties that you flipped in the past? Uh, a lot of times as real estate agents or even as the public, you can search land records to see what properties they've owned in the past by the business name or by the person's name who's doing the renovations. You know, really trying to get a, a, an idea of their history because 
I don't know about you, Danielle, but I don't necessarily want to buy somebody's first flip. Yeah, amen. You know, I don't. I don't want to buy your first chance, your first try at this. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you, right. you know, I, I want to make sure that you've been you've done this a few times. You know, everybody deserves their their first shot. You know, and that's for somebody else's client and somebody else's buyer to right. take that risk and buy somebody's first flip. But I don't want my clients to necessarily buy somebody's first flip, and I would much rather make sure that the work was done correctly and that that person is reputable and, you know, has, has demonstrated their ability to properly renovate a home before my client buys one. You know what I find is one of the, we'll use the term cheaper, cheaper elements that my clients tend to complain about after moving in, um, the flooring. It's typically the flooring. I had a client who moved into this super cute little bungalow, um, and the flooring was, it definitely wasn't luxury vinyl plank, which is LVP, which is like the go-to these days, but it was, it was a lower grade than that. It was hard flooring, you know, vinyl, easy to clean. But once they really started walking on it and living there, you know, after we settled, the, the plank started to separate and lift and buckle, um, because they probably weren't, weren't put, put on correctly. It was cheaper vinyl. Um, and that, I think the flooring is, an easy way for someone for the investor to save money it looks really good during the sale process you can buy sticker vinyl flooring and it'll look great because it doesn't have enough traffic on it someone isn't living there and really using the floor to its full capacity so it's not separating it's not splitting it's not buckling it's going to be fine during the showings and a month or two afterwards when it's getting some heavy traffic you're going to see that floor start to buckle and that's probably the number one thing that I see that investors um, really do cut corners on because that LVP ain't cheap anymore. That's pretty expensive stuff. Well, not to mention the fact that, you know, in the, at least in the state of Maryland, um, sellers are required to disclose latent defects, meaning mm-hmm. anything that they're aware of that is wrong with the property that is not readily apparent to the eye, they're required to disclose that. And technically, a renovator is also required to disclose that, Correct. too. There's only certain... Exp- certain um, situations where you don't have to, for example, like an estate sale, but, um, they're not living there. They just don't know. And they've only owned it for three, four, five, six, seven, you know, sometimes a longer, but usually only a few months. Mm -hmm. So they don't know what happens when it snows or when it's really, really hot or when there's a monsoon rain or, you know, what happens when you, you know, take a shower on a Tuesday when it's below 40 degrees? Like, they have no idea, right? Like, like they, don't, they, don't, they don't live there. So, and you can't ha- hold them accountable to things that they are not aware of. Uh, and in, the only way that you can even do that is if you can document that they were aware of it. Um, so, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to, bl- you know, we've been talking a lot about the renovators are yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of times they just don't know, yeah. right? Because You're, they it's didn't ignorance. live there. Right. And like Danielle said, that flooring, they put the flooring in because it looks nice, and they never live there. So they're not necessarily aware that four months from now your flooring's buckling up in the corners Mm -hmm. because they don't live there. And you're not talking to them four months later to tell them that your floor's buckling up. Like, you call Danielle and I, and you complain about it, and you say, (laughs) I'm really sorry to hear that, and then we hang up the phone and we move on about our day. That's not true. I cry sometimes. Oh, my God. Are you crying about other people's flooring? I get upset. About their flooring? Sometimes. Okay. I don't get upset about your flooring. I'm sorry. I don't want you to buy flooring that's going to buckle up in a few months, but I'm not going to cry about it if it does. But the point is, is that a lot of times it's not the renovator's uh, malcontent, malintent. Miscontent? I don't know. It's not their (laughs) 
it's not their malice. Malice? I don't know. It's not their... They're not actively trying to cause you harm or to do things incorrectly. A right. lot of times it's just lack of information that they possess because they haven't lived in the home or, you know, they've only renovated, you know, properties. They've never, you know, lived in one after they've renovated it. They don't know what the quality of the materials really, how those quality of materials really impact your day-to-day -day life as a homeowner. And I'm not saying if they did that it would change their mind because I don't know. But uh, Some I of these investors are not even homeowners themselves. Correct. Correct. So point is, is that buying a renovated home can be a great idea. I know we haven't said a lot of great things about it today, but it can be <laughs> a great idea. But it is a lot more due diligence on your plate to verify that those things were done correctly and that you're buying a home that was renovated properly. And one of the biggest things, the biggest mistakes that I see people make in the home buying process and Danielle talked about this last week or one or an episode prior to this one is they get too emotionally invested in a property. I know Danielle says you buy homes based on, based on emotions and she is correct. You have to be emotionally invested in it to even want to make an offer. However, we can't be so emotionally invested in a property that we make an offer and we get into inspections and we're trying to make something work that just doesn't work. Uh, you know, we get into this situation a lot where we're under contract on a house. You've already decided where your furniture's going to go. You've decided, you know, how you're going to decorate and what you you started mm -hmm. buying. You're things. in love. You know, you you you've, you're picturing your family living there for the next ten years, and then we find out that the gas lines hooked into your neighbor's house <laughs> and and the plumbing isn't hooked isn't installed correctly and the electrical system didn't get a permit and the roof is leaking and you know all of this you know, crazy amounts of things that is wrong with the property. And sometimes we have the right to ask them to fix it. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes it ain't do, even worth it. Oh, and, that's, <laughs> and that's the point, right? If we're too emotionally invested, we can't get to the point where we say, it's just not even worth asking them to fix these things. It's bad. Right. It's bad. Run. Because the reality is, is that they're going to fix it. The people who did it the first time <laughs> are going to be the ones that fix it this time. And right. do we really want to do that? No. And if we're too emotionally invested, you're going to come to me and you're going to say, but I've already bought the couch to go in this living room. I need the, we, we want this house. And I'm going to tell you, I really would advise against that, but we can move forward if you want to. And then you move forward and then you call Danielle four <laughs> months later and tell her that you're. That James is the worst. Plumbing is a problem. And, you know, all these things that we had already talked about. So, you know. I do want you to be emotionally invested in your house in the sense that I want you to be happy and excited for the home buying process and happy to move in your, with your family. But I don't want you to get to the point where you're going to buy something because you're so attached to it over the logical brain that you have that's saying, there's a lot of problems here and I'm not sure that this is the right decision. It's just as much our job to get you out of a bad situation as it is to get you into your dream home. Right. So everyone thinks everyone knows we do not get paid unless we settle. That means nothing to me. It's just as much my job to get you out of a bad situation that is not good for you, not good for anyone. And I would hang my hat on that all day. I could give a crap less if after that you never buy a house and I lose that money for the rest of my life. That means nothing to me. Your happiness that's your forever home or not. Maybe it is your five-year home. I don't care. Your happiness is worth more to me than any dime that I will ever get from that. And I will lose sleep at night 
knowing that I let you make a bad decision. So I have to let you make a bad decision if that's what you want to do. I have to. But gosh darn, I'm going to throw all the facts at you. Uh, I'm going to throw all the facts at you that I can. And if you still say, Danielle, no, couch is bought. We're moving. All right, then we're moving. You know, it is what it is. But God, that's going to hurt my heart. That's, you know, I always tell people when I, when we first make a relationship with each other, when I make a relationship with a buyer or even a seller, my job is to protect you. It's not to protect this transaction. It's not to get you into this house or, you know, make sure that you settle. My job is to protect you. So I'm going to do whatever that means in this transaction. If Does that mean protecting you so that you get into the house? Or does that mean protecting you so that you can get out of the house? You know, whatever that means to us in that situation is what we're going to do. And like Danielle said, you know, Destination Home Group's philosophy is we don't care about the money. We care about the people. And if we make money by caring about people, that's great. And if we don't, that's okay too. And I will protect you fiercely, like mama bear protection, you know? Like if someone's messing with my baby bear, the fangs come out. Like, I, James hates when I say this, but I, <laughs> I love our agent community. Oh. I support our agent community. I do play nice in the sandbox. Um, however, you come first. You, our people, our client comes first. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. We want you to be protected. We want you to be safe in your new house. We want you to feel like you made a good investment. Even in times when things were crazy, right? Like shit was hitting a fan with 20 offers on a house and we were going over lists and we were doing some crazy shit on offers. Even when that was happening, it was still super important to me that you felt like you got value in your house. So even when that was happening... I still want you to feel good about your transaction and I still don't want you to feel like you got raked over the coals. I want you to feel like you got your value. You made the right decision. Not that you just threw everything you had out and you're broke and you're tired and you're grumpy and oh, now you have to buy this house. Like it's important to me that you feel like you got value. You made the right decision. And after you move in that you're sending me pictures of decorating and painting. And that's what I want to see. I want to see you just enjoying your home. That's a fact. Fact. That's a fact. Well, I think that's all we have to say about renovated homes. That was a good one. I had a lot to say about that. You I did. could go on. I could go on. <laughs> I took a nap while you were talking. I know. So I'm sorry. You, had, you did have a lot to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, Plus, I've had two coffees already. We'll see you next time. Um, I think we'll be probably be talking about home inspections here shortly because um, we're going to have a friend join us uh, and talk a little bit about his expertise in that area. Uh, so in the meantime, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Love you. Miss you. Mean it.